Employment Hour right here, Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number is 1-855-821-5900 anytime. And Lior at employmenthour.com. Lots of stuff to get through this week. Uh, we'll talk about workers off because of disability, get to a bunch of emails. But first, we start with the week that was. Hi, Johnny. Thank you very much. Happy to be back here talking about workplace rights, employment law, and happy to inform everyone about uh, what they need to do uh, and know if they're working so uh, listen to us, uh, contact us always, give me a shout at the office if you ever want to know anything about uh, your workplace rights. Uh, you have a right to know whether you're an employer or an employee. Very, very important stuff. And to kind of get us warmed up here, let's talk about the week that was. A mm-hmm. couple of situations that I dealt with uh, over the last few days. The first one had to do with a, a fixed-term contract, uh, John. And as you know with fixed-term contracts, so what I mean by a fixed-term contract, of course, is a, an employment agreement that's for a specific period of time, six months, a year, two years. Uh, and this situation, uh, a lady was hired on a fixed-term contract for a year. Uh, she, she's now my client. And uh, the agreement said the employer can let you go earlier than a year by only paying you a week's pay as long as the employer lets you go for business reasons. So if there's a business reasons, we can let you go and then we don't have to pay you the the balance. The rule, of course, with the fixed term contract is that if the employer wants to pay, uh, wants to let the employee go, they have to pay the balance of the contract. Well, in this case, after about four months, she was let go and she was let go because she had some sort of a conflict with her boss. So her boss let her go, and they paid her a week. She came to me, and she said, Leo, is that right? Am I only owed a week's pay? I looked at the agreement, and the agreement said, well, we can only let you go early if it's for business reasons, not if there's a conflict with the, with the boss. In this situation, because she was not let go for business reasons, she was let go for other reasons, the general, the basic rule applied, which is, the employer has to pay out the balance of the employment agreement. In this case, another eight months pay. So we're now dealing with getting the eight months pay. And I think there's an important lesson there for our listeners, which is, you remember, but the fixed-term contract, if you lose your job, your employment, uh, your employer has to pay you the balance of that contract. And for them to not do that, for them to avoid paying you the balance of the contract, they have to use very specific language to avoid paying that. And if they don't use that specific language, they have to pay the balance of the contract. For employers, of course, the lesson is very simple. If you're going to enter into a fixed-term agreement, remember that you may actually have to pay an employee the balance of the agreement if you let them go. So if you want to avoid that, make sure it's drafted properly. Give yourself an early exit clause. And if you don't do that, you may have some very significant liability. Again, for employers, come see you, right? Like they have to come see well, you, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and no, I mean, you know, an employer should never draft an employment agreement on their own. These are important and can be com- complicated and sophisticated documents. Uh, you, you don't go to Google and get a draft of that. So yeah, come see me if you need an employment agreement. Now, the second situation, John, that I'll, I'll tell you about, a uh, very simple matter. Uh, I spoke with a, a lady that was let go and was uh, was there for three and a half years, and she was offered eight-week severance, and she was absolutely convinced she got a great offer. Uh, finally, her husband, who listens to our show, a uh, smart guy, uh, give, gave me a call, literally dragged her onto the phone, and she, she she was actually even upset at him for talking to me. And when I told them that she's actually owed about six months pay instead of uh, uh, the eight weeks pay that she was offered, she actually didn't believe me. And uh, it, it took about a week for her husband to convince her to allow me 
to send her former employer a letter. It, it took a week for that to happen. Uh, I, I think there was uh, threats and yelling involved on their end. Finally, after a week, she, she gave me permission to send her employer a, a letter, a demand letter. And a week later, this past week that, that just ended, John, uh, we resolved it on the basis of five and a half months' pay plus a contribution towards her legal fees. She was extremely happy, extremely relieved. I think that uh, this is probably the only time that her husband actually managed to win an argument in that relationship if he's like uh, any other husband that I know. And <laughs> the lesson, of course, uh, is, is very simple. You know, These matters can resolve quickly. If you lost your job to get severance, most people, unfortunately, don't get proper severance. It's important to get legal advice. Even if you think that the offer is good, maybe it is. It still doesn't cost anything, and it's not a, a prompt to get some advice. Call me. Use the severance calculator. Make sure you're informed. And uh, you know, if you're a good husband or a good wife, you may want to convince your significant other to do just that. A couple minutes left here in the opening segment. You just mentioned the severance pay calculator. Give me some quick details on how that works. That's right. You know, if you don't want to call me for whatever reason, maybe I just don't sound like a good guy. I think I am. You can get your information on your own. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com and find out exactly how much compensation you're owed. Again, severancepaycalculator.com, you input three things, John, the length of your employment, your age, and the type of job that you have, and you find out there and then how much compensation is owed to you. It's extremely simple to use. It's free. It's anonymous. Everyone should use it. Make it the very first place you go to. And if you're, again, good husband, good friend, good neighbor, tell anyone that you know that lost their jobs to go to severancepaycalculator.com. 1-855-821-5900 is the number anytime. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com for email. And we're turning lots more of the show coming right up here. It's the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Employment Hour right here, Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number is 1-855-821-5900 anytime. And Lior at employmenthour.com. Lots of stuff to get through this week. Uh, we'll talk about workers off because of disability, get to a bunch of emails. But first, we start with the week that was. Hi, Johnny. Thank you very much. Happy to be back here talking about workplace rights, employment law, and happy to inform everyone about uh, what they need to do uh, and know if they're working so uh, listen to us, uh, contact us always, give me a shout at the office if you ever want to know anything about uh, your workplace rights. Uh, you have a right to know whether you're an employer or an employee. Very, very important stuff. And to kind of get us warmed up here, let's talk about the week that was. A mm-hmm. couple of situations that I dealt with uh, over the last few days. Uh, the first one had to do with a, a fixed-term contract, uh, John. And as you know with fixed-term contracts, so what I mean by a fixed-term contract, of course, is an employment agreement that's for a specific period of time, six months, a year, two years. Uh, In this situation, uh, a lady was hired on a fixed-term contract for a year. Uh, She's now my client. And uh, the agreement said the employer can let you go earlier than a year by only paying you a week's pay as long as the employer lets you go for business reasons. So if mm-hmm. there's a business reasons, we can let you go, and then we don't have to pay you the, the balance. The rule, of course, with the fixed-term contract is that if the employer wants to, pay, uh, wants to let the employee go, they have to pay the balance of the contract. Well, in this case, after about four months, she was let go, and she was let go because she had a, some sort of a conflict with her boss. So her boss let her go, and they paid her a week. She came to me, and she said, Leo, is that right? Am I only owed a week's pay? I looked at the agreement, and the agreement said, well, we can only let you go early if it's for business reasons, not if there's a conflict with with the boss. In this situation, because she was not let go for business reasons, she was let go for other reasons, 
the general, the basic rule applied, which is the employer has to pay out the balance of the employment agreement. In this case, another eight months pay. So we're now, we're now dealing with getting the eight months pay. And I think there's an important lesson there for our listeners, which is, you remember, but the fixed term contract, if you lose your job, your employment, uh, your employer has to pay you the balance of that contract. And for them to not do that, for them to avoid paying you the balance of the contract, they have to use very specific language to avoid paying that. And if they don't use that specific language, they have to pay the balance of the contract. For employers, of course, the lesson is very simple. If you're going to enter into a fixed term agreement, remember that you may actually have to pay an employee the balance of the agreement if you let them go. So if you want to avoid that, make sure it's drafted properly. Give yourself an early exit clause. And if you don't do that, you may have some very significant liability. Again, for employers, come see you, right? Like they have to come see well, you, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, an employer should never draft an employment agreement on their own. These are important and can be com- complicated and sophisticated documents. Uh, you, you don't go to Google and get a draft of that. So yeah, come see me if you need an employment agreement. Now, the second situation, John, that I'll, I'll tell you about, a uh, very simple matter. Uh, I, I spoke with a, a lady that was let go and was uh, was there for three and a half years and she was offered eight-week severance and she was absolutely convinced she got a great offer <laughs> Uh, finally, her husband, who listens to our show, a uh, smart guy, uh, give, gave me a call, literally dragged her onto the phone, and she, she, she was actually even upset at him for talking to me. And when I told them that she's actually owed about six months pay instead of uh, uh, the eight weeks pay that she was offered, she actually didn't believe me. And uh, it, it took about a week for her husband to convince her to allow me to send her former employer a letter. It, t- it took a week for that to happen. Uh, I-, I think there was uh, threats and yelling involved on their end. Finally, after a week, she she gave me permission to send her employer a, a letter, a demand letter. And a week later, this past week that, that just ended, John, uh, we resolved it on the basis of five and a half months pay plus a contribution towards her legal fees. She was extremely happy, extremely relieved. I think that uh, this is probably the only time that her husband actually managed to win an argument in that relationship if he's like uh, any other husband that I know. And <laughs> the lesson, of course, uh, is, is very simple. You know, These matters can resolve quickly. If you lost your job to get severance, most people, unfortunately, don't get proper severance. It's important to get legal advice. Even if you think that the offer is good, maybe it is. It still doesn't cost anything, and it's not a, a prompt to get some advice. Call me. Use the severance calculator. Make sure you're informed. And uh, you know, if you're a good husband or a good wife, you may want to convince your significant other to do just that. A couple minutes left here in the opening segment. You just mentioned the severance pay calculator. Give me some quick details on how that works. That's right. You know, if you don't want to call me for whatever reason, maybe I just don't sound like a good guy. I think I am. You can get your information on your own. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com and find out exactly how much compensation you're owed. Again, severancepaycalculator.com, you input three things, John, the length of your employment, your age, and the type of job that you have, and you find out there and then how much compensation is owed to you. It's extremely simple to use. It's free. It's anonymous. Everyone should use it. Make it the very first place you go to. And if you're, again, good husband, good friend, good neighbor, tell anyone that you know that lost their jobs to go to severancepaycalculator.com. 1-855-821-5900 is the number anytime. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com for email. And we're turning lots more of the show coming right up here. It's the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.
Chuck. 1-855-821-5900. And Lior at employmenthour.com is the email. We're talking about uh, being off work because of a disability. So what happens if the employer, uh, well, they won't take the worker back? An employer does have to take the employee back to work. The only exception to that is if there's a legitimate reason as to why the employer won't take the employee back. Maybe the department is shut down and everyone was laid off and there's just no job available. Or legitimately, the employer has done everything it could do to find the job for the employee and they cannot find it. At that point, the employer can let the person go, but they have to pay the, the employee full severance, John, based on their age, their position, and the length of their employment. The fact that the employee has gone off work and now is coming back and there's no job does not excuse the requirement to pay severance. Full severance still has to be paid. Now, if the employer doesn't have a legitimate reason, maybe they just don't want to try hard to take the employee back, then that is not just a wrongful dismissal, it's also a human rights violation, which means that over and above the severance that you're owed, you may be owed additional damages. In other words, that's something an employer cannot do. So can they terminate you depending if there's a good reason? Either way, they have to pay you full severance. The, the message, the lesson here is being off work, being away, even for a long period of time, does not prevent you from getting your full severance. And beyond that, of course, John, your seniority actually continues to accrue while you're away. Right. So you actually will get more severance than you would have had you been let go before you went on a disability leave. Talking about employees off work because of disability. So now the employee, uh, it's kind of, a, kind of a halfway thing. They can return to work, but there's going to be some restrictions. What happens and what's the, uh, what's the duty of the employer at that point? Well, that's, this is where we get into the duty to accommodate. An employer has a very strict duty to provide accommodation. What that usually means in the context of a medical leave of absence or a disability is an employer has to accommodate any restrictions that the employee has. So if the employee can go back to work, but they need different hours or different, a different schedule or even a different or modified job, the employer has a strict obligation to do everything possible to provide that accommodation. They can't say, well, that's not the job that you used to do, so we're not going to do it can't do that. You have to, to work hard to find that accommodation, even if it's not easy. Now, at some point, to try to, to provide accommodation may be too difficult. You don't have to create a brand new job. You don't have to pay someone to dig a ditch just to pay them again to fill it back up. Hmm. But if you can provide and find meaningful work for an employee, even if it means giving them different hours, uh, different schedule, uh, different roles and responsibilities, you have to do that if it's motivated by uh, a medical for a medical reason. And if you're an employee and your employer won't accommodate you, won't uh, give you the restrictions that are dictated by your doctor, guess what? That is a violation of the human rights code. You, you can force them to do that and you can get compensation if they won't. Uh, that is the time to give me a call. Always try to resolve matters with your employer. But if you cannot, your employer is being unreasonable, unhelpful, uncooperative, you give me a call and I can either give them a kick in the pants or at least mm-hmm. get you compensation uh, if they if they won't uh, budge. Very important. one 821 5900 is that number that Leora keeps mentioning. Make sure you keep that with you. Write it down now for uh, employers listening. Uh, what can you tell them about the best way to deal with situations where they have employees on disability? Yeah, and it, it can certainly be very frustrating for employers when you have employees on disability. Because they're off work, you have to keep their job open, you're still trying to run a business, you don't know if they're coming back or not or when. So I understand the frustrations and the difficulties there. So what happens in that situation is you, as the employer, has to have to inform yourself and get as much information as you can get. 
That may mean contacting the employee uh, or, and asking them to get uh, updated information from the doctor, asking the doctor specific questions. When can the person come back to work? When are they going to be examined again? What are their limitations? What can we do to accommodate? Get as much information that you, as you can in order to, to plan, in order to know what you're, what you're up against if the employee is off work. If the employee is not, uh, if you're not sure if they're coming back to work at some point at all, ask the question. It's okay to ask the question. What you don't want to do is assume, well, they've been off for a year. Clearly, they're not coming back. Uh, that's wrong. They may still be coming back. So, uh, and if you need more information, you can't expect you're going to get it unless you ask for it. Ask for that information. Be proactive. Uh, and if you're not sure if the employee's doing what they're supposed to do, or if you have additional obligations, again, that is the time to give me a call as well. We'll bounce over to a quick email here. Last couple minutes of this uh, this segment, Jordan writes in, says, my wife and I work at the same place. I was let go because of something that my wife did. Had nothing to do with me. Is that even legal? Well, the, the it's an interesting scenario. That the real question is, was he let go for cause? Hmm. If he was let go for cause, in other words, without severance, because of something that someone else did, even if it's his wife, no, that's completely illegal. That's a wrongful dismissal. The employer cannot do that. Uh, you can't be uh, punished because of a, a sin, if you will, that someone else committed. On the other hand, John, if uh, uh, he was let go without cause, even though it's unfair, uh, that, that is illegal. You, you can't let someone uh, go without cause, even if they've done nothing wrong, but severance would have to be paid. So the real question is, did you get severance if you did, was it appropriate? Uh, for that, you can use the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com, or give me a call. And uh, that's really what it comes down to, the distinction between cause and no cause. Severancepaycalculator.com is the website. The number is one 821 5900 Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. We're going to tackle severance in the construction industry. We'll do about 10 shows on this one. That's right here on AM640 and AM900 <laughs> CHML. one 821 5900 That's the number anytime, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com through email as well. Now, severance in the construction industry. This is a good one. So when it comes to severance, are there different rules that apply to employees working in the construction industry? That is probably a question you get 300 times a day from people in the construction industry. What do you think? I do. And by the way, I get those from people in the construction industry, as you just said, but I also get them from employers Mm -hmm. in the construction industry. Uh, Employers trying to understand what their own obligations are. And there's a lot of confusions out there when it comes to uh, construction and what employment laws are, certainly as relates to termination of employment. So I'm going to try everything possible in the next segment or so to, to tell people the way it really is. So let's, let's break this down a bit. Uh, generally speaking, the laws are the same, certainly as relates to termination of employment and severance. Now, the reason there is confusion is because an employee may not have the same minimum protections when it comes to severance uh, and termination as an employee in the non-construction industry. That said, those are minimum entitlements only. And with respect to a person's full entitlements, those that are based on age, position, and length of employment, they're the same whether you work in the construction industry or in a different industry. Mm. So what does that mean? That means that if you have an employee that's been let go and they're working in the construction industry, yeah, they get severance. Absolutely, they get severance. Now, there's other exceptions uh, or other things that differentiate construction employees from non-construction employees. For example, the same rules with respect to overtime, hours of work may not apply. Uh, but generally speaking, when it comes to the important stuff, 
termination. I lost my job. Can I lose my job? For the most part, the laws are the same. And there's this big misconception that an employer in the severance industry can let an employee go without any compensation. And guess what, John? That's wrong. That's illegal. Completely, completely false. In the construction industry, for sure. You know, you mentioned that. Now, if it's if it's the same that way around, how about the way the severance is uh, calculated for those employees? Yeah. So th- because, as I've said, the, the, because the entitlements are the same, if you're working in the construction industry, you're a construction worker, uh, and you lost your job, we need to look at the three main factors your age, your position, and the length of your employment. The longer you work, the older you are, and the more senior a position, the more compensation is owed to you. So that's why you can go to the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com, and go through the usual analysis. It's not any different. And I can't tell you how many times someone calls me and uh, they say I was let go without severance, and I say, well, why didn't you get severance? They say, well, because my employer says that we work in construction and there's no Mm. severance in construction. Wrong. And by the way, John, we always talked about the Ministry of Labor and how they give incorrect information. This is a a classic example. If you work in construction and you lost your job, you call the Ministry of Labor and say, hey, I work in construction. They let me go. What am I owed? They're going to tell you you're owed nothing because your minimum entitlements may be zero. And that's the only thing the Ministry of Labor can advise you on, right? And when in fact, you could be owed months and months pay. So again, uh, length, of, length of employment, age, and position are the factors. Yes, you get severance. You get the same amount of severance, in fact, whether you're in construction or in uh, something other than construction. Very, very, very important for our listeners to understand that. You know, it's funny. It's kind of a weird coincidence, but last week I was in the gym in the change room and a couple guys were talking. I recognize them. I don't know them that well, but I recognize them, and they're both in construction industry, and I know that because I just because I know them, the way they dress, the way they were talking. And they were going out of the work day and working in the heat. One guy said, yeah, you know, we finished the third floor, but then a bunch of guys we work with, they keep laying us off, and so on and so forth. And I was gonna, I was gonna butt in and just you know mention what you said about layoffs and how it's it's, it's not allowed, and you guys could get paid. But it sounded like, and you can address this after the first question, uh, that that it's happened several times since they've been employed by this uh, whatever construction company. So that's it. So temporary layoffs are they different rules for construction industry? So when it comes to temporary layoff, there may actually be uh, in some situation different rules. And what I mean by different, the, the usual rule when it comes to a temporary layoff, as you've just alluded to, is that an employer cannot lay you off temporarily. If the employer does lay you off temporarily, you can treat that as a termination. In other words, you don't have to accept that. And that means you can leave and get your full severance. So a temporary layoff is, in other words, illegal. Now, in the construction industry, mm-hmm. oftentimes it's understood that an employer can let can lay you off temporarily. Maybe you're working in a in the type of work that's very much seasonal. So, you know, it has to stop in December because it's too cold. Well, it's clear that between December and, let's say, April right. or May, you may be laid off temporarily. That's just the nature of the business. Now, on the other hand, if you're working in, in uh, the type of business still within the construction industry that's not uh, overtly seasonal, then no, an employer cannot lay you off temporarily. Uh, and if they do, you can treat that as a termination. Of course, we also always want to look at the past practice. If they've laid you off before right. and you let them get away with it, quote unquote, then yeah, they can do it again. But if you've been working for uh, uh, in a construction industry for a while, you've never been laid off before. This is the first time ever you've been laid off, you know, supposedly temporarily. No, that's not something that the employer can do. You can still treat that as a termination, leave and get your full severance, uh, and that may be better than going back to work uh, months down the road. In the meantime, you don't get paid, 
And by going back to work down the road, you now have given them the right to do it again and again in the future. Uh, so that's really a, a bad situation to be in. So how common is it uh, to see guys walk through your door in the construction industry that are you know, losing their job and not getting any severance? Very common. Uh, very, very common. I, I, most people, when they call me, if they say they don't get any severance, you know, I'll probably say, well, uh, I, I bet you're working in construction. And they say, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it is quite common. And, and it's not because it's the Wild West. It, it's because it's, there's all these misconceptions. A lot of employers, good employers, honest, decent employers in, in that industry believe that they actually don't have to pay anything. And they'll call the Ministry of Labor, and the Ministry of Labor will tell them you don't have to pay anything, even though that's wrong. So, uh, no, it, it, is, it is wrong. You have to pay compensation if someone loses their job, even if they're working in the construction industry. Uh, and oftentimes, uh, you know, the, the government, as we've just said, may uh, perpetuate these myths and, and these uh, misconceptions. Uh, that's why we're, we've just done this segment here, so that the rule is not complicated. It's simple. Employers, employees alike... You, you lose your job, you get severance. There's really no exceptions to that unless there's cause, unless you did something awful, terrible. Uh, but if you didn't, if you lost your job for any other reasons, business is slow, uh, you know, the employer wants to go a different route, hire someone else, fine. You have to get severance, construction or otherwise. one 821 5900 and com. Anytime, even when the show is not on air, you can get a hold of Lior uh, that way as well. We'll get into post-employment obligations, what that means, some questions to follow right here in the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 and Lior at email. We're going to talk about post-employment obligations. So uh, what obligations does an employee who leaves a job have to their former employer? Usually, John, obligations that an employee has to their former uh, employer have to be a creature of an employment agreement. In other words, they rarely exist in the vacuum or in the law, in the air. They have to be created by an employment agreement. Oftentimes, an employee may sign an employment agreement that imposes certain obligations, a non-competition obligation, non-solicitation, where you can't go after clients, confidentiality obligations. Those are the main ones non-competition, non-solicitation, and confidentiality. But what a lot of people don't understand, a lot of employers don't understand, is they assume they're automatic. For the most part, they're not automatic. They have to be created by an employment agreement. If you're an employer and you want to have an employee bound by these obligations, you have to actually put them in writing and have the employee agree with them, usually when you first hire them. Now, in some situation, if we're dealing with very senior executives, uh, those obligations may be implied in law. So if you're firing your vice president, uh, then he may have obligations to not solicit, not to compete for a, for a while that are just imposed by the law there because the person is in such a senior position. But for the most position, 98, 95% of, uh, of employment positions, any of these obligations on competition, on solicitation, etc., have to be created by an employment agreement. So the non-com or non-competition obligation, is it always enforceable? Well, no. And, and here's what a lot of people don't understand. For the most part, with few exceptions, a non-competition obligation is not enforceable. Our courts have made it very clear that we don't like terms in an employment agreement that prevent someone from earning a living. We don't like something that says you can't go work somewhere. So because of that, uh, in most cases, they're not enforceable. They're only going to be usually enforceable for the most senior executives. So people may say, okay, well, it's not enforceable, so I can ignore it, and I can go work wherever right. I want, even if I signed a non-competition obligation. Well, no, that is very, very uh, a very bad idea. The reason it's a bad idea 
It's because, yeah, it's not enforceable. I've just told you that. But what happens if your former employer tries to enforce it? Well, guess what they'll do, John? They'll take legal action against you. In other words, they'll sue you. They may well sue your new employer, and they may engage you in a very long legal battle. You're going to win that battle, but it could still be very costly uh, and, and very difficult and very long. So it's not a battle that you want to engage in. So the best advice when it comes to a non-competition obligation is if you sign it, you have to be prepared to live with it. If you cannot live with it, if you really want to accept a job with a competitor, even though you signed an agreement saying you can't work for a competitor for a year, you have to speak with your former employer if at all possible. Try to get their blessing, their permission to, to work for the competitor. If you don't do that, well, you're, you're taking a big risk and, and you're doing so at your own peril. Same, uh, same question then for non-solicitation. Enforceable? So unlike a non-competition obligation, a non-solicitation obligation is enforceable. A non-solicitation obligation says usually that you cannot go after our customers, after our clients. So if you've signed one, that is enforceable. And, and that may say that for six months, a year, two years, usually, uh, you know, as long as it's two years or less, it would be enforceable. You can't go after your former employer's clients. So that's something that most people are going to be fine with. But in some situation, you may be really concerned about that. For example, maybe you're in a sales job and you have a book of business. And when you joined the company, you brought this book of business with you. Well, what happens now, if you signed a non-solicitation obligation, you lose your job, you may say, okay, well, I'll go back to my clients, my book of business, and take them with me. Uh Uh-uh, you can't do that now because you signed a non-solicitation obligation. So that may mean that even though you brought business with you, brought clients a book of business, you may now have lost them because you've agreed to a non-solicitation obligation. So that's something you need to be very mindful of. For most of us, that may not be a big deal. For those in the sales job, uh, it may be. And yeah, again, if you cannot abide by or live with a non-solicitation obligation, that's something you want to be upfront with and negotiate with your former employer. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in the middle of a very long, expensive, complicated legal battle. So say you've moved on to a similar job. You've got a non-solicitation for your clients, but your clients really like you. They follow you to the new place. So you're not soliciting. They come to you. Is that okay? Does that have to be worded somewhere? Yeah, and, and this is a, a very interesting scenario. So you, you, you sign a non-solicitation obligation. You know you cannot go after your former clients, but hey, they heard that you're now working somewhere else, and they come to you. Right. Said, John, I heard you're a really good guy. I always enjoyed working with you, so we want to work with you. Well, non-solicitation does come down to who made that first move. Did they come to you, or did you go after them? If the client came to you, you did not solicit them which means if you start working with these clients, you haven't done anything wrong, anything illegal. Now, my my advice in that situation is if a client comes to you and you're going to work with them, you want to document that. You want to document that they came to you because if ever challenge, if the employer says, we think you went after them, you want to be able to prove that you did not. You want to be able to prove that they came to you. So remember, non-solicitation comes down to who made that first move if the employer, uh, sorry, if the employee made that first move, they've solicited. If the client made the first move, they did not solicit, and that would be uh, a legal thing to do. We'll take a quick break. The number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Leor at employmenthour.com. We'll get to in a couple emails and go through a couple things that we've uh, we've touched on this hour to wrap up the final few minutes of the show right here in the Employment Hour. It is Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and Leor at employmenthour.com. That is the email address. And that's the one we're going to right now. Matthew says, I was let go last week and offered a severance package. My employers say that until I accept, 
He won't pay me my commissions owing to me for deals that I've closed. I don't want to accept the severance offer, but I can't afford to live uh, if I don't get these commissions. I'm kind of stuck. What do I do? Yeah, I know. Very bad form on, on his employer's part. That you can't do that. In other words, what this employer is saying is, we're not going to pay you money we already owe you, money that you've already earned, unless you sign off on our severance package. That, that's illegal. Okay, that, An employer cannot do that legally. So it's one thing to, to sit down and negotiate severance, uh, and you know, that may take a little while sometimes, but the employer still has to, of course, pay the amounts that the employee has earned. So here's what you do here. You contact me. I'm going to send them a letter. I'm going to say, employer, you have to pay those amounts right away. We can sit down with you and talk about severance, and we're going to do that and hopefully get it resolved quickly, but you're going to pay those uh, amounts immediately or we'll take legal action against you. I promise you that employer is going to pay money. They probably don't realize that they cannot do that. So no, an employer cannot hold this over your head. If you've earned money, they have to pay you that money. So that's what we're going to do. Give me a call as soon as possible. Obviously, you need that money now to live. you got to pay your bills, etc. Let me send a quick letter. I'm sure that's going to resolve it. Do not accept the severance package because even without knowing what it says, I I, I would bet that an employer that would do that to you is not also going to offer you good severance. Very important to give me a call. Little sidebar here to that one. If Matthew has uh, commissions that are coming to him in the future, uh, is that part of his severance offer? Well, yeah. And any commissions that he would have earned had he continued working for the, the severance period, whether it's six months, 12 months, whatever the severance period is for him, are amounts that have to be included as part of a severance package, which is why, as I said, you cannot accept that package because we need to sit down and see whether you've received or you've been offered everything you should be offered. So yeah, let's get you paid what you've earned today to the date of termination and then let's go over exactly what you're owed and make sure that the severance package you've accept that you will accept has everything that uh, has to have in it. Once you accept that severance pa- package, it's too late to do anything at that point. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number. Cheryl finally says, over a period of a few months, I felt my employer was taking advantage of me. I was called into work weekends. I was made to stay very late, and I was also required to change vacation plans. I was not paid anything extra. It got to the point that I couldn't take it anymore and quit. Is there something I can go back and do? Yeah, absolutely there is. You know, an empl- This employer sounds like they were changing the terms of employment. Uh, they, were, they were making her work other hours. They, they were uh, imposing conditions, obligations that she would not otherwise have. And she did, un- you know, not surprisingly, what, what one could expect to do. Is, I, I can't do this. You're asking me to do things that are not part of my job, things that I have not done before. They're, they're complicated and, and, and you know, change my life. So I'm going to leave, except in the eyes of the law, John, that's not a resignation. That's a constructive dismissal. If your employer changes the terms of your employment uh, in, in such a way, and sometimes it's not one big thing, it's a bunch of smaller things, like potentially it, it was the case here, that's still a, a constructive dismissal. So you have a right to leave and get severance. What I would want to know in this situation, I want to get a de- some more details from her as to exactly what was changed, had these things happened before, uh, and, and over what period of time uh, was the employer doing this before she decided to leave. So if that's the case, guess what? She may actually be owed severance and she should give me a call as soon as possible. Cheryl, that number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and Lee or L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com. Last minute or two, take us through a run through one more time for the severance pay calculator, this amazing tool that literally hundreds of thousands of people have uh, have gone through, yeah? Literally, you know, sometimes it sounds like a figure of speech, hundreds of thousands, but actually that is the actual mathematical truth. Uh, that's how many people have used the severance calculator. It's, you know, we've created it now, I, I guess, two and a half, close to three years yeah. ago. I think it's be uh, uh, three years in November, believe it or not. 
And uh, if you are lost your job, you go to severancepaycalculator.com. Be like one of those hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands of people that have used it. You find out how much you're owed in the privacy of your own home or on your smartphone, laptop, whatever it is. You input your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and you find out immediately whether you're owed uh, six months pay, 12 months pay, 18 months pay, anything at all. Uh, that's the easiest, fastest way to find out how much you're owed. If you're staring at these termination papers and you want to know if they're appropriate, or maybe you're not, but you're worried that at some point your employer is going to let you go and you want to be prepared. You want to know in advance how much severance you would be owed. Well, you can do that right now. As soon as we get off air, severancepaycalculator.com. Find out how much you're owed. Be informed. And please tell others about it. Everyone should, should know about it. Have this uh, you know, kind of in one of your favorites on, on, your, uh, on your browser so that you can go there if you ever need to. SeverancePayCalculator.com. It is a wrap for another show. Back in there. Uh, join us next time. In the meantime, the number to get a hold of Savannah or Lior, rather, anytime. Savannah's there as well, but we'll deal with him on a different day. Uh, sure. It's 1 821 5900, and it's uh, Lior at employmenthour.com. That is the email. Again, SeverancePayCalculator.com. What a tool. Try it out right now. Until next time, it's right here the Employment Hour on AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.